things that I love about the Word of God is there's no age group that it doesn't apply to. There's no church that it doesn't apply to. There's no person that it doesn't apply to. As I said, I love the relevance of the Word of God. And we're going to talk about, if you turn with me to Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, and I'm not preaching one of the, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego sermons or Daniel in the lion's den. You know, we love those and we, we never tire of hearing those, okay? But one of the things that I love to do is I love to dig out some of the stuff that maybe others gloss over. And I love to just find, Lord, what do you got in here for me? Why, why do you have this in here? Uh, surely there is something you meant for us to learn by it. And so uh, we come to chapter 2 in Daniel. Let me give you a little background of what's going on here. Uh, the whole reason for Daniel is because the Jews did not obey God and they became idolatrous. Uh, back under Solomon, and uh, this is important for everybody to understand, under Solomon, idolatry was allowed in through his wives. What the parents excuse in moderation, the children will excuse in excess, almost always. Okay? And so, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, who took over the throne after him, had an enemy named Jeroboam. Jeroboam comes with ten of the northern tribes, and he says, we want you to ease our load and uh, not make us have to go through what you're father did, Solomon, although he was a great king and we loved him, uh, we just don't want to have to continue to have our boys be drafted and all the other things that he was doing. And so he said, you go away for a day or two, Rehoboam said this to the ten northern tribes in Jeroboam. And uh, he said, then come on back and I'll give you my answer. Well, he goes to the wise old men that counseled Solomon and they said, give them what they want. They're right. It's been a long time we've been doing this. Go ahead and give them what they want. Then he goes to his young buddies. And you know, these guys, man, they're full of testosterone and all that stuff. And man, they're wanting to fight, you know. No, man, you tell them, you, you ain't even seen hard until you've seen what I'm going to be as your king. Uh, folks, does that make sense? <laughs> to me, that was a dumb thing to do. How about you? And uh, so he goes back and he tells them what the young guys say. And you know, Jeroboam and the ten northern tribes said, we have nothing to do with you. We're going to go start our own country. And they did. They started the northern kingdom. The only tribes left were Judah, Benjamin, and the half-tribe of Manasseh down in the southern kingdom. And there was civil war between them for a long time. The northern kingdom, and here's the key to this, the northern kingdom never did at any time have a righteous king. Every one of them were guys that were idolaters. Starting with the first one, Jeroboam, who created some golden calves and put them in certain parts of his country so that the people wouldn't be tempted to go back and worship at Jerusalem. And he said, here are your gods. And they began to worship those gods, and idolatry ruled in the northern kingdom throughout the entire time. They did not have one good king in the northern kingdom. But God finally judged them, had the Assyrians come down, and totally annihilate their armies, take whatever people were left, and carry them off, because what the Assyrians did, that all the nations that they conquered, they 
take them to another nation they'd conquered, and they'd settle that nation with those people, those slaves. And so that's what happened. And these people were spread all over these northern ten tribes. They are called the Lost Tribes of Israel. Okay? Now, the southern kingdom, however, had some very good kings that lasted a lot longer. But they, too, picked up the habit of idolatry. And especially toward the end, began to worship terrible gods. Moloch that you put your, through the open mouth, you put your child through into the fire to sacrifice all kinds of gods like that. And God had told them not to do that, and they did exactly what he told them not to do. Israel was blessed because they were a nation that were true to God at one time. Okay? Now the relevancy is this. America is blessed because we were true to God at one time. I don't know about you, but I'm very, very concerned about our nation. I still love my nation. Don't you? I served in the military. My sons served in the military. My brothers served in the military. We love our country. But right now, we are following a path we call it nowadays, to be uh, accurate, we call it secularism, okay? The country is becoming more and more secular. What I call it is turning your back on God. And I think we have turned our backs on God in America. And consequently, we are about to reap some terrible things. We have murdered millions of helpless children in the womb. You think that that's any better than offering your child through the mouth of some idol to the fire? Absolutely not. And if God judged them, won't he judge us? Of course he will. And so, finally, God judges Judah as well. And Judah gets taken away by Babylon into captivity. Before the Babylon took them away, they first came and they defeated them one time and they took all the good stuff, you know, the gold and everything. And uh, they also took the best of the young men and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among those young men. And they were carried off to captivity because what they wanted to do was they wanted to teach these kids. It, it would be like... Uh, some football coach saying, all right, you come and you see what we're like here in Tennessee. And then being real, you know, wow, man, getting fired up and all that stuff. Well, Babylon was the greatest city of the world at the time. And they had to have their eyes just about pop out at some of the wonders there in Babylon. And Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego had to be tested. They had to eat certain food, which that's another message. <laughs> and uh, how God used to, uh, that as a testing ground to get them ready and to prove to the king of Babylon and to all their great leaders that this God was a special God because they didn't even have to eat what the other guys ate and they were ten times as strong and as smart. And so... God takes them through these years of testing, and finally, when they come to the king, he is so impressed. The only thing is, shortly thereafter, the 
king has this dream, and he can't even think of the, what it was about. He can't remember. You ever have a dream where you woke up and you thought, man, that was really some dream, and your wife asked you, well, what, what's about? Tell me about it. Well, you know, I really can't remember, but I just know that it was bad, you know. And uh, that's the way he was. And he said to his astrologers and his Chaldeans, his wise men, he says to them, I want you to tell me what the dream was and describe it to me. And then I want you to interpret it for me. Man, they, they do a double take. They said, wait a minute now. We never had to do that for any king. It's never been heard of anybody having to do that for any king. And uh, we can't do that. If you'll tell us what the dream is, then we'll be able to interpret it. And he pronounces a death sentence on them. He says, unless you tell me what the dream was and the interpretation, you're useless to me, and I'm going to have you all killed, every last one of you. Well, Daniel's among that bunch now. Okay? And so, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're all under the same sentence. So Daniel goes and he prays to God. And he says, Lord, I need you to tell me what that dream is. I need to, you to tell me what the interpretation of it is, is as well. And the Lord faithfully, because Daniel is pure, he's faithful, he's loyal to the Lord, no matter what's happened there in Babylon. He's not been turned in any way to their way of thinking or their idolatry. And so God gives him the, the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel goes and he tells Ariok, who is the head of the guys that watch over the slaves, okay? And Ariok goes and tells the king, and the king says, let him come to me and talk to me. So he goes and he talks to the king and says, king, if you'll just give me a little while, I know what the dream is. And the Lord's going to give me the interpretation as well. So the king says, all right, I'll give you so many days, all right? He comes back and he has the dream and the interpretation. Let's pick it up there, okay? You see, God never forsook Israel. You say, well, Brother Larry, they've both been carried off, the northern and the southern tribes. No, they've all been gathered back. That was always the promise. God is always full of grace, even when we sin, if we'll humble ourselves and come back to him. And so, here in Daniel chapter 2, look at verse 24. Look at verse 24 there. It says, Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. And Arioch brought Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah, that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, Whose name was Belteshazzar? Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, and, and I cannot emphasize not, cannot the wise men, the astrologers and the magicians, soothsayers, show unto the king. But here's the key, and here's my message, and it's the title of my message tonight. 
but there is a God. America is coming to the point where they don't believe there's a God anymore. But my friends, I want you to know tonight, and I declare under the authority of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, there is a God. I declare it to you tonight, and we need to be declaring that to everybody that we come in contact with, that there is God, that he has changed our lives or redeemed us, and he has made us someone who is no longer hopeless, helpless, without meaning or without purpose in their lives. They need to know that. And here he is telling this to the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And maketh known to the king of Nebuchadnezzar, the king Nebuchadnezzar, what shall be in the latter days, thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed from me, to, uh, pardon me, to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes. You know who their sakes were? The sakes of those in peril of death. All those Chaldeans and wise men, who by the way later would come to worship Jesus. All of them. And you know what? God reveals to us truth, not for my sake or your sake, he reveals us truth for the sake of those who are in peril. I want you to know there are billions of people in this world who are in peril of death without Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the world says, oh, you're too dogmatic about that. You know, you're not the only way to heaven. And friends, I want you to know that is an absolute lie straight from the pits of hell. We are told in the scripture that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. If you do not believe that, you cannot be saved. And here's what he says. It's for their sake that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou king, thou O king, sawest, and behold a great image, and by the way, I could preach just on this image, but we're going to, that's really not the main thing I want you to know about here, okay? We'll talk about it just briefly, but here's what it says. Behold a great image, this is what the king dreams of. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and uh, the form thereof was terrible. This image, his head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of iron, and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. And Jesus Christ is the stone. He is the rock. Okay? Which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And I want you to know that is exactly true. All those other empires have come and gone. And I want you to know now, Jesus' empire is the next one. And his empire will be forever. And it will cover the whole earth. 
Verse 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the fields, and the fowls of the air, uh, fowls of the heavens, pardon me, hath he given unto thee into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Babylon was the head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee. That would be the Medes and the Persians, okay? And another third kingdom of brass, that's the Greeks, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, that's the Romans. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. And the Roman kingdom was divided into the eastern and western kingdoms. But there shall be in it the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And that's true. The, the kingdoms became separate. Uh, the, the Western Roman Empire was finally defeated. The Eastern Rome, Roman Empire went right up until a few hundred years ago. Verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar I want you to look at this reaction, folks. This is just amazing what God can do when we make a stand for him and tell the truth that there is a God. Look at this, 46. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. Now, get this. <laughs> the king is worshipping Daniel. It says Daniel bowing before the king. Only God can do that, folks. Only God produces those kinds of miracles. And that is a miracle. All right? And he worships Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors to him. The king, verse 47, the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods. Now here's the problem with Nebuchadnezzar. At this point he was willing to say, Yes, your God is a God of gods. Later on, he changes that after God sends him out for years. And he grows long fingernails and everything else and comes back. And then he says, this God is the God. And he changes his whole attitude. All right? You say, Brother Larry, why, why is all this being done? I'll tell you why it's being done. God places Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who are going to end up being rulers next to the king in Babylon. 
so that his people can survive captivity for 70 years and then return to the land under Cyrus. That's why God's doing all this. Look at verse, look at verse 47 again. The king answered to him and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon. There's three. And chief of the governor of over all the wise men of Babylon. There's four. Whatever it was beneath the king, he had to rule over. My goodness. Whew. This is a young man, folks. But God has so prepared him and given him such special gifts that he's able to do everything that the king asked him to do. And Daniel ruled under the king for decades in that nation. Look at 49. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now, my friends, there is a God. If you can read that story and not believe that there is a God, then something's missing there in your walk. All right, there is a God, and we shouldn't be struggling with that as Christians. God needs us to know and believe that He is God, a very God, so that He can use us in His work and in His kingdom. Daniel demonstrates that although there's not a man that can fulfill the king's request, there is a God in heaven. Amen. It doesn't matter what we can or can't do, there is a God who can do it. And there's a God there who, to whom it is a simple thing to give visions and to interpret them. He further demonstrates that Jehovah is the God of the ages and he's the God of eternity. In order for Daniel to have the ear and the confidence of the king, there are some things that God must do through and for Daniel. And let me give them to you quickly. First of all, Daniel has to go through the proving. All right? You know, God never uses somebody before he proves them. That's why he puts us through trials, testing, tribulation. Do we faint and do we fail? If we do, he says, well, you're just going to have to go through again because I'm preparing you to do a work for me. I have put you on this earth for a reason. And so we have to go through another test. But Daniel went through the proving and passed with flying colors, okay? He proved that he was the only man that could answer the king wisely and correctly. God proved Daniel just as he proves us to be his instruments for this world today, folks. And if people understood that better who claim the name of Jesus Christ, maybe we'd do a little better job of growing our churches and growing our denominations than we have been doing. You see, God provided a word in due time, verse 25, before the disaster came and they were all destroyed. He provided an answer where there was none. Nobody had an answer, but God had an answer, and so he provided and gave it to his man who gave it then to the king. There were no answers, and there is, and by the way, where there are no answers, there is no hope. This king had brought the, the kingdom 
and the leaders and the, and the wise men, all to a point where they felt there was no hope. I mean, they were preparing to die, folks. The king's word was in it. And they saw no way out. You ever get into a place like that, a situation where you saw no way out? <laughs> God has an answer where there is none. And a, a secret, only the one true God could unveil. I want you to know something. There are things in your life that you don't even know about yourself. And the only way you will ever learn them is to get closer to God. God is involved with mankind. He does care about us in our predicament. And he has limitless love for us. So Daniel goes through the proving. And then he finds the purpose. And he becomes the source of the purpose. To show King Nebuchadnezzar in the world that there is a God who can reveal. I want you to know nothing is hidden from God. Isn't that scripture? Amen. Nothing's hidden from God. God can reveal the hidden things of this world. Verse 30. And he can save not just the wise men from death, but also the whole world. And Jesus died on the cross to ensure that that can happen. Isn't it something? The blood of Jesus Christ, listen to be careful. Some people don't even realize this. They think because somebody's not saved, Jesus didn't have to die for their sins. My friends, Jesus died for every person who would ever live upon this earth or whoever has lived upon this earth. He took every bit of the sin of Hitler, Stalin, and any other great sinner that you can ever think of. He took it on himself and paid the price. And if they had claimed Jesus Christ as Savior, they too could have been saved. Matter of fact, we know that a lot of people who were Nazis were saved later on and came and got things right with people and wept in their arms. God can save. And I wonder sometimes why Christians live their lives and rarely ever share their faith with anyone. Can it be that they really don't believe God can save that other guy? <laughs> Well, man, you know, I was bad enough and God saved me, but I don't know about that guy. You know what I mean? I'm telling you something, folks. We need to understand that there's nobody that God cannot save. Daniel's purpose was to reveal, to save, and to make known, to make known God, and to make known Daniel as the one that they could look to in times like those. I love that old song, in times like these, we need a Savior. God has a purpose. He reveals, he saves, and he makes known. You know, that's what church is all about. That's one of the reasons why we come together. Because God reveals things to us after he saves us. And he makes known the things of his word and the things of his kingdom. 
And we are part of a kingdom that already exists here on earth that is part of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We're still, we're part of the kingdom before it ever exists physically upon the earth. And then I want you to look at the promotion. When Daniel proves that not only does he know the dream, but he also knows its interpretation, the king falls upon his face and worships Daniel. As I said before, just the opposite of what normally happens, okay? We are to become priests and kings of what Jesus has revealed to us and in us. I know that you probably already know that. We talk about it, well, we're priests and kings in Jesus. But have we stepped into the position and taken advantage of it? The world desperately needs the information that we have to give to them. One day we too will be rewarded for faithfully giving the message that will deliver many from death. Not just a few Chaldeans. Watch what the king gives his servants. When you do that, just faithfully, as faithfully as Daniel did it here, here's what God gives his servants. He gave it to Daniel every one of these things. And I believe he gives it to all of us. Watch this. He gives them respect. Too many Christians think, well, if I talk about Jesus, I mean, I'm, they're going to make fun of me and everything else. But I want you to know, if there's a, for every person that makes fun of you, there's a bunch of them watching you, around you, that are going to respect you. Because you stood for what you believed. By the way, that's verse 46. Uh, what was normally reserved for a God was used to point out God's mouthpiece. And that's when the king worshiped again. Even the world reveres someone who leads them to God. Listen to me. For nine months, I was 27, year old, 27 years old when I was saved. And before I was saved for nine months, a guy named Silas Johnson came to me every time I was down at the football field, kicking or doing whatever I was doing. And he'd play football a little with me. And he'd invite me every time to his church. Nine months. God, I didn't know he had the whole church praying for me. But at the end of that nine months, when I finally said, honey, why don't we go to church next Sunday? After she got up from fainting, <laughs> she said, yeah, that's a great idea, you know. And uh, we went out to church starting in October. We went through to the second Sunday of January, 1974. And I walked in the house. God saved me and made me a new creation in Jesus Christ. And I've told folks this before. After a week or so, somebody asked my wife, is your husband different? She said, yeah, he sure is. He's like a different person. I just happened to be standing nearby, and I turned around and I said, do you like this version? <laughs> she said, do I? <laughs> I praise the Lord. 
Wow, when he changes you, he changes you. Listen to me. I forever will respect, admire, honor, love Silas Johnson. How about you? Do you remember who led you to Jesus? And then greatness, verse 48. King made him a great man of influence. Did the king make him a great man of influence? Do you agree with that? <laughs> That's a trick question, isn't it? God made him a great man of influence. He just used the king to do it. What God put him there to exercise so that people could survive their time of captivity. And then gifts. God gave, the king gave him many gifts. Probably house, gold, servants, many other things. God gives us gifts. Do you realize every person sitting in this room who has claimed the name of Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift that is a supernatural ability to perform what it is that God wanted you to perform in this life. God gave him power. Wow, ruler over the whole province of Babylon, the king's own town and country. Ruler over the Magi. You have power to influence the lives of others given to you by Jesus Christ. And they gave him, the king gave him prestige. He was chief of the governors of the wise men of Babylon. Respect, greatness, gifts, power, prestige. Things that all of us would like to have. Be honest. Nobody wants to be some kind of loser, amen? We all want to be somebody who has these things. Now, that's not why you do it. You do it because you love Jesus. But we need to understand that these are things that come from faithfully serving him and by stepping up and telling the world there is a God. There's a God who is looking for a man to stand in the gap, a woman to stand in the gap, a boy or a girl to stand in the gap. He has always looked for such a person down through history, both within the Bible and without. It's his way of proving our promotion in his kingdom. In times like these, God needs someone to reveal that there is a God. Friends, if we are faithful to do that, could it be that the revival that we have been praying for now for decades in America will finally happen. Revival begins at the house of God. May it begin in us tonight. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's exciting and interesting, Lord. And better than any TV show or movie or anything else. And I praise your name that we can have it, that you provided it for us. I pray that you'd apply it to our hearts and our minds tonight. I pray that you would help it to change our lives and make us more of what you want us to be. And I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. We're going to have a gospel invitation tonight. And Brother Roger's going to stand here. And perhaps God has spoken to your heart tonight and made you realize you need to commit in some area of your life to something that maybe you hadn't committed before. Some, some area where you'd let down. Maybe you're here tonight and 
you know that even though you thought you were saved, you're really not. And that you have had your doubts about God. And you want to come tonight and confirm your salvation in Jesus Christ. I don't know what your need is. Maybe you're going through a great test right now. And you need the strength of God to help you through it so that you can be able to do that. Whatever it is, if God's speaking to your heart.